awesome cast. This is the awesome cast. Welcome to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. I'm Dylan. I'm John. And I'm Douglas. And that's us. And I preemptively or posthumously apologize to my wife for the editing that she already has to do in this episode. <laughs> it's so bad. But I think now there's some really good stinger material. So stay tuned to the very end. How How is everyone holding up? We have done, I think, a grand total of now eight Ava-related ep- episodes. Yes. Yeah, I'm so good. I, f- I think we're at seven. No, eight. You're right. You're right. Eight. So that was that was a whole lot of a whole lot of Ava. Yeah, I I don't think I'm done with that yet. So did did we officially <laughs> turn into an Ava podcast? I mean, uh, for a while. <laughs> By the time we're done, maybe, I mean, uh, apparently John's not done with us yet, so who knows what the future may hold. I mean, listen, they may be done with me, I'm not done with them. <laughs> I think that's also Anno's, like, long-standing commitment to Ava 2. So, although, oh man, that, that common Rider little, mm-hmm. little trailer tease. Of just yeah. him on the bike, yeah. showing off the details of his costume. I w- was sad when they started showing other characters. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Go back to the boots. There are some common Rider TV series that had less motorcycle riding than that trailer. Ah, I'm excited for that movie, though. And I am also excited for folks to try out our Discord for whatever we're talking about things like Shin Common Rider. We also did have a pretty lengthy description a lengthy conversation about Centaur World on that server, back you know, right when some, it first came out. Yeah, back when it was shiny and new. And oh. and not the squid or squid squid game. Is that squid the Billies? new? I think that's the new Tiger yes. King. Yeah. <laughs> uh, squid it. game does seem to be super popular. I I think I'm unconsciously prejudiced against China, uh, Korean media because I just haven't watched it. I've like watched two Korean movies in my whole life. Um, oh, I know for sure that that's, that's true, and I feel really bad about it, but, like, Japan has just poisoned me. Like, Yeah. yeah. Japan I'll, I'll... accidentally made me racist against Koreans. Yeah, I'm this... trying to fix it. I'm trying to fix it. But... <laughs> yeah, anyone who listens to this podcast, you know, they, they hear about Squid Game. It's like, oh, they're doing fucking, you know, Danganronpa or, you know, some other death game shit. Like, we, we've seen this literally dozens of times by now and everybody's like oh god squid game it's so good it's so unique uh, no no it's really not right. i mean it might be good but it? it's not unique it highlights okay. class disparity and wealth issues oh really i don't think yeah. i don't think another show's ever done that <laughs> i mean it could be super awesome i'll, I'll give them the yeah. benefit of the doubt because i haven't watched it. <laughs> it no it's it's just sort of um poking at the uh 
what what do we call it just normies you know that that yeah. aren't into all this crazy shit that we are so also like, ignited I, a dub sub war <laughs> and also, once again the anime fans are sitting here going yep <laughs> first I, I mean, time <laughs> i would also argue it's not just normies in the sense that like i think i've heard it compared to hunger games that was not a weird side thing that was a a major property it's it's been like it's not a new concept it's just rare right the battle royale existed before Fortnite. yeah it, yeah it was uh you know player and then battle oh, wait well there was also the japanese property battle royale yeah yeah the the concept of lots of school kids get trapped in a thing and now they must kill each other to survive is yeah. not exactly the newest idea and and the concept of it also being ha- having some sort of uh, social message to it is not weird yeah. either. What if we took Lord what? of the Flies and televised Shh. it for profit? <laughs> Shh. Let people enjoy things. I don't yeah, know. I'm yeah. probably not going to watch. <laughs> I, games, I mean, I, I I'm actually debating on actually giving it a try, and Tiger King couldn't do that. Yeah. I am a I... thousand times more likely to watch Squid Game than Tiger King. Oh, <laughs> well, that's because watched... Squid Game is fiction. Tiger King generally really happened. Yeah, that guy yeah, really we... killed all those tigers. We watched it. I think I only And that woman may have killed her parts. husband. That's probably. not even the weirdest thing. There are It's really like, not. The other people who own tiger whatever zoos or whatever were very clearly like grooming younger people instead of you know dylan like, dylan 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 let's you're, you're talking too much about this stuff if people want us if people want me to watch and talk about tiger king <laughs> they're going to have to pony up on that patreon and get us to those <laughs> upper levels to yeah. recommend it make me watch tiger king against my will <laughs> that's right that's right. If we had to get, was it 200, 250, 300? I don't know. We're a dollar amount that's on the Patreon to recommend things. You can recommend Tiger King there on the Patreon. <laughs> Make and me a then, puppet to dance to your will. It's horrible. But, un, but until then, please until don't. then, Kevin, give us that Moments of Awesome theme. It's a moment of awesome. Moments of Awesome things that are pretty cool that we haven't quite dedicated to a whole episode yet but you never know we might for example centaur world was a moment of awesome once and now it's got its whole episode but until then kevin what's your suggestion my suggestion is get in the car loser what get in the car loser now it, it is a it is a video game it is a PC video game created by Love Conquers All Games, which is headed by Christine Love, who people may know from the award-winning S&M love comedy Lady Killer in a Bind, <laughs> which was that's a gr- that's a great name for an S&M comedy. Yeah, but uh, th- that's a visual novel, and it's actually pretty cool, but definitely adults only. Uh, Getting the Car Loser, on the other hand, is uh, it's the best part of Final Fantasy XV, which is to say the road trip part, <laughs> uh, as you control four, well, initially three, later four, 
people on a road trip to go destroy the machine devil. <laughs> Jeff Bezos? Yes. Well, sort of. Does it have any connection to Chainsaw Man? No. But Okay. You know, I feel like if you enjoy Centaur World, it might actually be a kind of game you'd like because it's bizarre and out there and eccentric and Ooh. has fun wordplay. Um, basically, Sam is a, you know, wannabe dark sorceress, but to her eternal chagrin, she's only actually really good at healing. <laughs> Who, uh, when the, you know, hottest girl in school, Grace, and her... Uh, love interest valentin who is mostly her love interest because they have a car uh pull up and tell her to literally get in the car loser because grace has stolen the magic sword to slay the machine devil and they're gonna drive two thousand miles to go do it <laughs> uh and you eventually pick up a fourth party member in the form of angela an angel who despite having a lot of blue and or orange morality eventually decides maybe being proactive against the evil instead of just waiting for it to resurrect itself might be a good idea so you mostly just cruise along the road uh, occasionally switching lanes to avoid or go to encounters and then stopping periodically to gas up and buy food and trinkets which are equipment <laughs> and you know get photos in your book or go eat at a diner you know the actual fun parts of the road trip <laughs> as you have wacky car banter along the way uh, it does get a little real once or twice in terms of the themes explored, but it's generally a fun, goofy time. It has a combat system that plays a little bit like if Valkyrie Profile and Final Fantasy XIII had a baby. <laughs> and it's got very lovely pixel art graphics. And, oh yeah, most importantly, the game is free. <laughs> Ooh. You can get it on Steam or Ichi. Uh... The game itself is free. There is a paid DLC where everyone takes a trip to the beach, <laughs> which is uh, also pretty fun. So it's like, if you enjoy the game and you want to support them, boy, I recommend it because it's a fun little bit of DLC. But uh, if you just want to dip your toes and go, oh, I like this, or you go, oh, I hate this, you didn't spend anything. So it's, it's, it's a good time. I super resonated with the game's sense of humor, which is why I'm here saying... You know, go play it. <laughs> what what system is it on? Oh, it's PC. Oh, okay. It's a it's a pixel graphics PC game. Like, I've got a Steam account. That's how I got it. Um, I imagine it would run on most computers. <laughs> it can't be that system intensive. I was going to be like, ah, oh, I really want this on my Switch, but then you're like, but it's also free, and I'm like, well, I can't really argue with free. Oh, I although I would recommend plugging up a controller for the if you play it because i i did not have a good time attempting it on keyboard and it plays like it was made for controller maybe one day it will get a console release of some kind doesn't seem like it'd be out of nowhere if it showed up on switch yeah i was thinking like this sounds like something that would be really fun to play on my switch um but, but you know, I it's got a little... lots of other stuff to do when I'm at the computer. Yeah, it's a little indie game maker who's. <laughs> ah, that said, Dylan is what you were going to suggest playable on the Switch. Um, it's uh, not playable at all, except as a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my uh, moment of awesome is Old Gods of Appalachia. Um, I found this thanks to Charlie, Nico, and Ginny. 
Oh, it's a horror anthology. What'd you say? I think Charlie's where I've heard the name before. I was trying to think of that. Yes. Like I, I went back. There was a a thread on Twitter that they did. They started talking about this. I'm like, okay, I've got to go listen to this. It's a horror anthology podcast set in 19th and early 20th century Appalachia. There's a backstory about you know the mountains, which are some of the oldest on the planet, being used to imprison some ancient e- evil. Um, but really, the background is just—it just sits in the background as an explanation. The stories themselves feel more like a modernized version of old folklore about hates, in kind of a romanticized, idealized version of the South, and that. Like, that's what really got me. Like, if you live around here, you grew up with even a little experience with, like, a farm or in the mountains and a little exposure to the folklore, like, it has that pull of nostalgia. The narrator uses a slow southern drawl and slang, which is a little over the top at times, if you think too much about it, but it feels very familiar. And there's just... Like, they use a light touch with background music and sound effects um, to set the mood. And it kind of feels strangely calming in a way. Um, oh, no, I totally get that. Like, I, I find horror stuff to be really, really calming. Okay, then. <laughs> it's well, not, it, like, there's not a lot of jump scares. It's all, hey, this weird thing happened. And depending on how much you're paying attention, like... You know, it's going to be weird, but it's not. I, I'm more concerned with Doug's, you know, very cavalier, like, oh, it's really calming. Like, yeah, there's nothing like a good old knife stabbing to just <laughs> no, calm no, your nerves. Like, no, not not stuff like that, but like, but like, uh, you know, stories about ghost stories and paranormal stories. Like, there's, it's so far detached from reality, yes. but but comf- but familiar and comfortable that you 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 do sort of get to you do sort of get to feel comforted by going okay well this is this is a story that i'm getting into and getting interested in and when it's all over it's a story and the anxiety yes. that i felt actually has a place and a direction it's also set so far in the past and is just it's so removed from like horror set in the modern day and like i said it it doesn't have a lot of gore or anything too i want to say anything too psychological like any anything that is like trying to creep you out it's not like a um you know one of those found footage type Mm -hmm. of of movies um but yeah like i think if you like i said if you live around here if you've had those sorts of experiences it's that sort of like half idealized half real nostalgia that it taps into it's really like i kept thinking like why did i like this so much and like it's it's the same type of thing i i really loved about doing that uh, awesome quest be prepared game where you take this horror story and use it as kind of this excuse to revisit and reimagine, you know, this sort of like nostalgic or romanticized setting. Nice. So, uh, I get you know, it. I, I want to watch it. I want to listen to this now. They've got two. I think they've got 
two seasons out. I've only gotten through part of the second season, and I honestly haven't listened to it in a while. I think they had some some voice actors come on in the second season. Um, well, you know what also has voice actors, and what I find comforting is solving grisly murders and <laughs> skateboarding and managing a high school dance team or the robotics club in this fanciful magical world where virtual fighter five showdown is the premier esport. that's right we're talking about lost judgment the latest game from the ryu gotoku studio who makes all the yakuza games and now the sequel to judgment lost judgment where you play as Takayuki Yagami. He is this awesome detective guy who does detective things. And this go around, he is in Yokohama, much like Yakuza Like a Dragon. But they've also added a full-on high school. Like huh. all four floors, the faculty, oh, chairmans, everything. Uh, you actually have to m- help be a counselor for all sorts of various clubs. They you start off having to be the counselor for the the mystery club where they a read lost lots of mystery books and then then are busybodies getting in everyone's business because they think they know where crimes are happening. <laughs> and part of it is to you then have to it leads you on and this is all optional. You can go manage the the dance team and you have to do DDR with a controller because it's a rhythm game to do the dancing stuff. I have also helped the robotics team, which is this weird like capture like land sort of mini game. There is a skateboarding team where you more or less do this weird Yakuza flavored version of Tony Hawk. Um, there's, there's a lot of random mini games all tied up into high school. And you can definitely tell like, the, the quote, the high school music for all these clubs sounds super like a ripoff persona background music. <laughs> because, you know, it's all owned by Sega so they can get away with it. <laughs> Meanwhile, there has been a grisly murder that happened in Yokohama that's also weirdly tied into this high school. So while I am also being this, you know, all-encompassing... Ca- advisor for all these different clubs because clearly the faculty here has no idea what they're doing and it takes awesome detective guy to make all these students happy we're also solving grizzly murders that may or may not be tied to weird gang underworld violence because of course it is this is what that studio does yeah it's very 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 good if you like the yakuza or judgment series then congratulations lost judgment is a fine game in that lineage john what you got you know i recently purchased the latest fgc anime fighter melty blood type lumina it is tied very directly to uh type moon's Tsukihime franchise and added another character from a type moon franchise perhaps better known here in the west saber from fate stay or the Fate series in general. It's a lot of fun. It's not It's not a casual friendly game at all. It's got a lot 
of systems. Yeah. <laughs> so there, you know, there's a lot of stuff to learn, but if you find that sort of thing satisfying, which I do, it's definitely worth checking out. It also caused me to basically go back down the fate rabbit hole because I don't think I'd seen any fate anything since uh, Fate Apocrypha. Um, uh, so I went back, I watched Fate Zero, which was really good. I'm in the middle of um, 2006 Fate Stay Night version, which a- a- after watching Fate Zero, like doing it chronologically as, as opposed to like in the order that the shows were released, I think that may have been a mistake because now I'm like, Shira's such a fucking wuss. He's so stupid. Yeah, like, I mean... his, his dad was just like a fucking you know, stone cold killer. And he's like, I don't want Saber to fight. I'm like, what yeah, the fuck is your problem, kid? I think UFO Table expects you to go from Fate Zero to Unlimited Blade Works. Right. And not, right. not go back and watch the Sidio Dean version from seven yeah. years before. Yeah. Um Although if you're getting it, if you're getting into the franchise, even though I, it's it's not my favorite, it's probably the most beginner friendly because it assumes you don't you haven't watched like seventy other Fate shows, the Studio Dean version that is. But it's also uh, it was also like released by Genion, so yeah, you know, good luck, <laughs> good luck finding it through. Uh, the animation legal means. quality is kind of inconsistent. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, the last two episodes are animated amazingly, but ever, between there, it's a little hit and miss. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> one I mean, of those it's productions. A, it's a good time if you yeah. like um, historical or mythological figures being anime as fuck. Yeah, we gotcha. Yeah, um, you, you want to see William Shakespeare? He's in there. Not gonna tell you where, but he's in there. <laughs> You want you want to see King Arthur as a chick? She's in there. Uh, no. You, you want to see Frankenstein? Shakespeare in Melty Blood type Lumina. No, unfortunately. Oh. The the only fake character is Saber. And then there's all those Sukihime characters that everyone in the West knows less about unless yeah. they play Melty Blood. <laughs> Except me, because the one remotely type two thing I've watched. With Tsukihime. Oh. Yeah, That's why you don't want to watch any more stuff, because Tsukihime anime is literally the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it, it did get a Western release here from Jimmy on back in the yeah. day. I haven't seen it. You know, it was, I don't even think I... I maybe have like heard of Melty Blood at that point, but I, I certainly didn't. Maybe we'll get know a re- Maybe we'll get an English translation of the new Tsukihime visual novel adaptation. It should be comparatively all-ages friendly. The original is a porn game. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the original. Uh, like, if you go back all the way to the visual novels, uh, hey, guess what? Those are <laughs> straight up hentai games. Then they're like, let's make Dojin fighters. That'll be extra hard by the standards of fighting games at the time, and yeah. even by now, <laughs> it'll be extra convoluted. <laughs> As a fighting game veteran, it's it's hard to get extra convoluted, but you know. This game gives they it try. a go. It gives it a go. <laughs> All right, Doug. What else should we give a go? Well, I was going to say uh, Free Guy, the movie that is in theaters now starring Deadpool, or whatever that guy's real name is. Um, Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, it stars Deadpool Pikachu. Um, He's playing a video game character. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
playing a video game character again. Um, he's an NPC that is run by an overly complex AI that becomes self-aware. Uh, and it the movie caused me to really, you know, think about things in a different way. Uh, and all of, like, the plot holes, which there were plot holes, um, seemed to be the kind of plot holes that if this was a novel or a book or something would have been resolved or maybe could have been resolved with a few extended scenes, like, you know, certainly within the realm of suspension of disbelief, uh, is what I'm saying. Um, and I thought it was surprisingly very good. However, then we started talking about Tiger King. So I realized that I can't actually have Free Guy be my moment of awesome. I instead need to talk about chicken people. Chicken people. Chicken People is a documentary on Curiosity Stream about uh, this about people who breed and show chickens. That is what they do. They they make the prize winning chickens and they go to chicken conventions all, uh, across all around the country and and have judges judge their chickens. And I feel that especially after watching Tiger King you need to watch Chicken People. Because the documentary goes through, and as you're watching this documentary, you start going, okay, now which one of these is secretly the bad guy? Which one of these are, like, are, are evil? Because they're all crazy. They, they all are crazy. But as you get to know them, you slowly start to realize they're not crazy in a bad way. They're just crazy in, like, a slightly eccentric way. You know, the kind of crazy that we all are on some level deep down. And... You, you, when they finally start, like, meeting each other at conventions, it's finally time for them to, like, start butting heads. Like, they're actually really friendly and nice to each other. <laughs> and and they support each other. And it's just... After watching just the terribleness of Tiger King, it's really, like, heartening to see how sweet chicken people are. <laughs> so it almost sounds like the Great British Bake Off equivalent to like tiger king's i don't know what hell's kitchen or whatever one of those shows where they yell at you yes that that would be about right that's a good way to put it yeah it's pretty fun like because you know a lot of it's not even things like tiger king like a lot of documentaries will like focus especially competitive ones like i'm thinking of like king of kong where it was like the villainous billy mitchell who probably is actually somewhat villainous and yeah, the, I think that's confirmed at this point. <laughs> and the other guy, but and they painted the other guy as just such a sweet, innocent soul that I'm like, I'm sure he's not this sweet and innocent. <laughs> but, you know, but the chicken people are very, very, very nice. And you you, you discover, like, oh, this person used chickens to solve other way worse problems they could have had instead. Yeah. So... Everyone was much happier that they were just a chicken person now versus what they were. Yeah. And uh, and one of the guys you see, like, he's kind of the one that I thought they were going to eventually turn him around to be, like, the bad guy because he's, like, a middle-aged white male. It, it turns out, no, he's just he's just a little bit doddering, and he probably, like, and he probably had some kind of, like, autism before we knew what that was but he 
got through it by working with chickens, and so now he has this great and full life, and he's very kind and influential to people around him because of chickens. Like, it's wonderful. This is also a guy that his day job is traveling the world working on race car engines, and then he also wants to breed like a very particular kind of chicken that's like exceptionally hard to actually breed. Yeah. It was it was actually a very good documentary. I I also I'm I, I'm down with the chicken people. But one then must ask the question what if instead of chicken people what if centaur people? <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to take our break, and we'll come back talking about Centaur World. Hey, new friend. I'm glad you made it. What is this? Hey, new friend. As long as you are with us, you are home. It really sounds like where you're from is overrated. But now you're here, we're never going to leave you alone. Because we have no sense of boundaries. Because you made it to Centaur World. Nothing better represents our world Than this colorful collection of singing and dancing Half animal, half man things You're meeting here today You're welcome in Centaur World It's the place where all your new best friends are, girl We're all different, but we're always together We're splendid We're kind of codependent, but we're happier this way I mean, technically sure And we are back Talking about the Netflix show Centaur World Created by Megan Nicole Dong, who apparently somehow went, hey, Netflix, take a peek into my brain. Don't you wish this was an, an animated superstar piece? And they went, yeah, sure, here, here's some money. After they stopped screaming in terror after peeking into the abyss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's inside her stomach. <laughs> Technically true. So, yeah. So what is this entire world thing anyways? Is a world full of centaurs. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's an animated show. Production was done by Netflix Animation and Sketch Shark Productions, although the actual animation work was done by Mercury Filmworks, which is a Canadian studio that's actually done a lot of Disney work, and Red Red Dog Culture House, which is actually looks like a Korean animation studio. So I'm surprised that Kevin really enjoyed the show. I know, right? Such a rampant Korean hater. I feel like I heard somewhere else that, that Korea actually was really the place to get like your um to to get your like your your workhouse animation done. Yeah. Korea used to be the cheap place to farm out your animation to. Now it's more like the go to place. And if you're really cheap you go to Vietnam now. Oh, okay. Well <laughs> I mean that's weird. that's how Japan was in back in like the 1970s yeah. they were the cheap place to send your animation off to um <laughs> but i mean certainly not now and that's well, why I think certain it's... parts of the real ghostbusters looks amazing <laughs> and the opened bionic six you yeah. know <laughs> but yeah it's it's kind of crazy that this show got made because it's doing a lot of things like sure it's an animated show but it's an anime store where it's all, like, made of quadrupeds and a horse that are apparently ridiculously hard to draw. As Dongy herself said, they are apparently Jane Spactor, who worked on animating Spirit and Belle from Beauty and the Beast. 
apparently joined the studio and actually taught classes on how to draw horses so that way they'd be good at it. Yeah, uh, horses are notoriously hard to draw, which is why, you know, young girls drawing them obsessively is, is partly such a thing. Like, they're difficult. And also, so they this... made one the main character. <laughs> yep. And it's also a musical. And it's a musical. It sure is. <laughs> John, did you like Centaur World? It's hard to tell from the way you're... Um, generally? I generally liked it. Okay, okay. It's, That's good. It's weird because I don't tend to like musicals. And it was a little bit goofy for my taste in places. Yeah, yeah that but that's then... Go ahead. Oh, was that was that basically your experience too? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like I don't typically like shows that are like that outrageously goofy, but it actually manages to go somewhere interesting. It's like it's weird like adventure time, but it's even a little crazier than that. Yeah, but it it it's kind of framed. I think one of the things it does well is it's framed within a story of coming from another universe. Right. Mm -hmm. And the other universe has this sort of like, um, I guess like avatar would be a good example of the anime. Like, yeah. In my my notes, that is literally what I wrote down is that it's very, it's very like avatar esque. Like it's, it's like a serious kids animation. in one world. It's hard to not see Ryder and not think of Korra. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you got this world with this girl and her horse, and it's this big serious fantasy world where humanity is fighting its horrible monsters. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's the kind of place I'd be more interested in exploring, but that is not what this show is about. Oh no. no. Oh no. Um in fact in fact, as you're watching the show, most people are generally turned off by uh, the giant, giant tone shift that it takes very quickly on into the show. Um, yeah, I, I feel like if if you're, you know, if your tastes are more in line with mine and Dylan's, uh, getting into Centaur World depends on how much you can withstand Wink in like the first. <laughs> Yeah, couple uh, episodes. Really? So it, it's Wamawink that you, you had the most issue with? No, I I honestly think it's it's pretty much all of them except maybe <laughs> like um, Glendale. Like they are all very. I find it interesting. Trying to that think you the said right except word. Glendale. Except she seems to be like a little more. She she's not like. As extroverted, I guess, is the way I want to say it. It's not really extroverted. It's like... We ironically trust Glendale more, because she's the one we think might stab us in our sleep. Instead of, like, steamrolling us up front and just railroading us to do whatever up front. I I think the reason I say Wink is just that she is the most overbearing yeah. Well, yes. yes, that is part of like her whole character journey. Right. Is yes, exactly. Overbearing. I mean, exactly. I guess for sake sake of people who haven't watched this yet, this is not like very quickly in the show. The horse and the rider are separated, and the horse gets isekai'd to a whimsical fantasy world. Okay. Yes, it is an isekai. Yes, one of the things. <laughs> yes, this is definitely an isekai. Uh, I just just like resign himself. It's like it is isekai. Fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> everything Isekai. Um, so what? The, so the first song, the very first song that's in there, um, is actually sung in the dystopian world. It and it's sung by Ryder. Um, and I love this song. I I sing this song to my pets. <laughs> so one of the big things that I think needs to be pointed out to a lot of people that when you're watching it for the first time is that that opening monologue is not Ryder. Uh, it's very right. easy to think that it is Ryder. Uh, and the only reason I can think for why it is is easy is because we don't hear enough lead female voices doing monologue that, that when Ryder actually does start speaking and sings her song, it's like a blatantly different voice. But because they're both the voices of young girls, we just kind of ignore that. Well, it's also the case of you're introduced to the horse character who is called Horse and the horse's rider, who we now call him Rider. They're the only two characters you see and they have not indicated yet that the horse is going to talk. Yeah. It's just no. a horse. And so you're hearing this sort of monologue, then Reinhardt's talking, but you've only seen these two characters and there's no indication that horse is going to talk. And they don't even have actual names, of, well, at any point. But um, <laughs> it's because Ryder is actually a mythological spirit. We haven't learned her tri identity yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, no, like they're archetypes in in this in the dystopian world. But I did have that moment when Horse first gets transported to Centaur World and starts talking like. Oh, they they got merged into one person. Yeah, yes, that 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 was a serious thought that I had the first time I was watching it too. Like, uh, you know, are they one person now? Which I think, I mean, obviously that's a mistake, but is it though? Like, could that maybe be something that they did on purpose? Like, was to lead us into thinking that? Yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I was going, like, because what pulled me into the story was like, okay, what are they going to do when they resolve this? How are they going to resolve this? What's actually going on behind the scenes of all this crazy stuff happening? And, you know, like that. And, you know, I also, to... I also immediately went to the, they're secretly dead and, and this is just a fever dream, like conspiracy, yeah. like right away. <laughs> like what's it gonna what's it gonna look like when horse finally gets back to to the the real world like that's a mystery that kind of keeps you going and what's interesting is if you get like if you get hooked on that then eventually you'll get to the point where they start doing more interesting and complex and dramatic things with centaur centaur world itself but right. i think it you know it, in the episode one of the show, you learned that, you know, Horse done got isekai'd. Mm-hmm. Horse wants to find their writer. And now they're in this magical, crazy world filled with whimsical centaurian beings that are also just as whimsical as they are whimsical. These aren't just like horse centaurs. There's like giraffe centaurs. <laughs> Zebra centaurs and bird yeah, some sort of little bird centaur. Yeah. Apparently, like actual horse centaurs are somewhat rare. It's just everything is some form of of tar. Yeah. Um. They're cat tars, not to be confused with 
cactars from Final Fantasy. But like, even the mount, like all the trees. If you look at the trees, most of them have like a little body and little legs. Like that, like all the trees are centaurs, and like the mountains like are the mountains are centaurs. <laughs> the tornadoes are centaurs. <laughs> it's like a whole centaur world. <laughs> Crazy. But uh, and... the song we've got spells for days, where they all start going through like their song, their their spells. That's uh, so weird. Because yeah. you think it's going to be a gag, and then it turns yeah, out... They keep no, reoccurring. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are seriously their spells. Like, those are the spells that they they consistently use throughout the rest of the show. The only exception... There's, like, only two exceptions, really. One is Wink can do a couple of other spells that we, we, we don't mention yet, but they get revealed pretty early on, and Zagreus has an extra spell that he doesn't list off in that song. Um, and but. I actually didn't even notice that it was a spell until this watching. So <laughs> <laughs> so we can come back and cover that like when we get to that episode where he reveals his extra spell. But, but you know, like extending your neck really long or making your lovely head of hair do crazy things or making sparkles shoot from your eyes. These are their legitimate magic powers. Or shooting <laughs> smaller versions of yourself. Yeah, your which they all have. They all <laughs> could do that. Yeah, these are apparently pretty standard spells. Is just about everybody can do just about all of them. Uh, Glendale's like tummy hole and Zagreus's mane are are, are, are Zulius. Zagreus is a character from Greek mythos. <laughs> oh, he oh, might be in Fate Stay or, or one of the Fate series. I mean, Zulius. he is in Hades. His name is Zulius, but Zulius. I keep saying Zagreus because, like, Zagreus is an actually mythological character. Okay, okay, but yeah. But yes, they are, and they are an eclectic, insane bunch of weirdos. Mm-hmm. And the main theme of, of of family is is brought up in this first episode, and you know, even in this first episode, the show establishes like it's sort of like outline for what it's going to do. It's not until episode three that we actually like codify that outline, but we do set it up uh, here in episode one, when they're explaining, you know, this rainbow road goes around the whole world and there are, there are five centaur shamans and they can do anything. I'm, I'm just absolutely instance that rainbow road. We never once saw Mario. <laughs> yeah, it's you know a different rainbow road. <laughs> what's funny about that is there are a couple of points where it seems like they're making pop culture references with just like a step removed. So instead of like the yellow brick road over the rainbow, it's the rainbow road. Instead of levitating the X-wing out of the bog, it's levitating the bog. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I'm just reading too much into it, but it, it really felt like you're getting really close to something that exists in some other mythology. Just with one thing tweaked. I mean, this is a show about a lot of things that are just like one thing tweaked, you know, you know, twisted and turned. So that would probably make sense. I actually had the same thoughts about both those things. I actually, it had not occurred to me that either of those things but now that you say it, I can totally see it 
and I'm very impressed by it, and just further proves to me how brilliant this show is in just every absolute facet. And for me, one of the most important things about this show is that the music is not done by Android Lloyd Webber. <laughs> F that guy. He makes bad songs. I'm sorry if you like cats, but you know what? The cat tars in this show are way better than those other cats. That's just, you know, where I'm at. It's just okay, science. Well, well, um, who did do the, do the songs? Um, Megan Nicole Dong, along with Dominic uh, Bizzagno. Who also did things like he also did the music for Star versus the Forces of Evil, as Ooh. well as Back to Back Space. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that he's not like an actual Broadway um, producer, because the songs are all some, really good. It has the whole show has. The songs are really good, and it has this whole Broadway vibe. Like, I could see how Centaur World could very easily be a Broadway production. Well, a lot of the folks in this are. Like, for example, Mama Wink is portrayed by Megan Hilty, who, you know, Anna realized, you know, she's Glinda, the good witch, and Wicked. Oh. (laughs) Um. Does she know Adele Dazim? I also really like the the fourth and final song for this first episode and I will occasionally sing that to my nieces and nephews which one was that it takes a little bit of boldness a little bit of magic I'd go on my own if only I had it your magic that is that one okay <laughs> okay like, yeah now I remember. like I I didn't I didn't count like the individual songs. Like I'm actually surprised there were four songs yes. in the first episode. Yeah, there are four songs in the first episode. Most episodes have three songs. Um and like I can get the song count up to four, sometimes five, depending on how generous I was being for whether that was a song or just a little ditty. But I definitely thought there were four distinct songs in this first episode here. But yeah, like, for example, uh, Horse is portrayed by Kimiko Glenn, who is in Broadway. Ryder is Jesse Muller, who is also in Broadway. There's a lot of Broadway, like, actual (laughs) folks who are doing characters in this. Also, later on, Paul F. Tompkins. But, you know, (laughs) hey. He He is a character. He's just a comedian, right? Correct. Okay. I was going to say, there are a lot of names that I recognize from... Um, like sitcoms and comedy and stuff like that, which seems surprising for a show that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, well, considering it's an animated work, like this thing had to been like years in the making. Like yeah. this stuff doesn't just happen. So it is really impressive how, like, my joke was to like Doug and Anna, like, like man, this really feels like. Broadway had nothing to do in 2020, so Netflix gave them an excuse to do something. But that's a, this show couldn't have started being production in 2020. It wouldn't have been done yet. Yeah. 
And this is only, like, what we're covering is just the first half of the first season, I believe. Yeah, there, there's technically um, another season com- that's in the pipes. It's coming out soon. It's just not out yet. Uh, okay. But I still wanted to talk about these ten episodes because they're so good. They're so delicious. So, going on into episode two. Episode two is Fragile Things, and this is where we see the Tornator. Do you mean right, the tornado? So no! No, it's a Tornator. Like, it's not a tor- tornado! It's a Tornator! Everything is a tar <laughs> in this. Like, you can check the subtitles, it's there. But before we really get into the Tornator, let's take a break for spoilers. Because if we're sure going to start getting yeah, into I'm, episodes... I'm just going through episode by episode. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's take a break and then get into spoilers and then we can do more actual specific episodic talk you don't need to feel bad when you break something of someone's it's an opportunity to make a new friend okay with every boat we fix and we broke and we make new friends and build new friendships use our magic skills to repair this there's no need to be embarrassed this damage done can be erased i'll just paint it with my handsome face with every boat we fix and we broke and we make new friends and build new friendships As a gift for you We make new friends and build new friendships Boats! Alright, and we are back with spoilers for the first ten episodes of Centaur World Including the Tornator Which may actually be, inadvertently, the creepiest thing in this show, in my opinion No, it's not um <laughs> next question uh, no, it's not uh but it is um the tornado song is actually much creepier like i didn't realize how very creepy it was the first time around because i couldn't understand the chorus uh but the chorus is like all the souls that have been caught within the tornado are like calling out to our herd for mo- you know come join us it is creepy. Yeah, there's so, a lot. There is a lot that's creepy in this, especially as it goes on. But that I didn't realize it started that early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would I would say that the tornado the, uh, the tornator is the the second mood shift. Like the first one is obviously just coming to Centaur World is the first like big the mood has drastically shifted and given us whiplash. Uh, so quickly, so so dramatically, and so heavily that y- you might miss this this whiplash. But this is definitely like the mood like shifting again. Um, it also does sort of set the the pavement down on its rainbow road to eventually introduce the the other really creepy song, the song for the Nowhere King. Yeah, who that is the creepiest song. It is yeah. the creepiest song, but I feel it writes creepiness checks that the actual Nowhere King does not cash. Yeah, I think I that's was fair. I was very let down by the Nowhere King. I really hope he gets a creepy glow up for season two because all he was was an inky black goopy thing with a skull on his head. 
I was I was ready to be messed with, and he was just not that. You no, don't he, think he's any very messes are, are are totally scary? Like the amorphous nature of like an yeah. inky blob to me is way more frightening. Like, I with Doug, I found the Nowhere King very disturbing. <laughs> it it would be creepy if this wasn't like the eight hundred seventy second time I'd seen it. Oh. Although I kept did it, I do keep trying mentally comparing him with uh, the guy from the Ancient Magus's Bride. <laughs> I oh, I keep has, comparing like, him with with Kane from uh, No Need for Tenchi movie. Now, oh oh, now that's that's where that memory is coming from. Okay. Yeah. Like I I think we have the same reaction for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. That guy terrified I, me throughout out my childhood, like returned to nightmares, and I had no idea where he came from until I became an adult and learned what Denji was, <laughs> and realized, oh, I must have seen this as a way too young child. You know, I, I don't remember the Nowhere King being that scary. So, I mean, I get that part of it, but I think stylistically it worked. Like, it wasn't overly grim, dark, like you'd see in the dystopian world it wasn't goofy like you'd see in centaur world it was just this like like you said it, it's it he's goofy he can kind of expand you understand why he's trapped um and you understand this going to be extremely bad if he gets out i also compare him to the inky blackness that was in um that was in over the garden wall i think there's a lot of similarities there and I feel like in Over the Garden Wall, I never really got, like, to full-on encounter that creature and, like, fully, like, soak in it. Whereas I do get that with the Nowhere King. And so that's kind of a double-edged sword where I recognize that that's going to be part of what makes him not as creepy. But I feel more satisfied by it because I actually get to interact with him so much. I I don't remember much about Over the Garden Wall, but... What I do remember that kind of tracks because it has this sort of like folklorish feeling to it, mm-hmm. and that is very much what the Nowhere King kind of evoked for me. Like in the design, was it's not trying to be creepy; it's trying to be like a ghost story type of thing. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's what worked. But again, he's kind of like what your what everything else is building up to, so your reaction to him is based on, you know, what, what you're expecting to be there. I also think I didn't like the sound effects they used for all his squishing and splotching. Like, I know this is going to sound crazy. It sounded too cartoonish. Where it like, it didn't feel creepy. It didn't feel like scary. It didn't feel, it didn't evoke anything. Like, I'm like, Oh no. Like with the, the tornator like it was a straight up force of nature it was just going to do what it was doing and it was gigantic it was powerful nothing they could do could do anything to it it was a, it was something you had to deal with not defeat right and it felt so it felt scarier as a concept to me than the norware king especially just just how amazingly creepy that song is and it is he did not i did not feel the same level of oh oh shoot 
oh, oh God, oh no. How are they going to get out of this one, y'all, than I did with the Norway King? Yeah, I mean, I could I could go the other way on that. Like, I don't remember the sound effects exactly, but I definitely remember the feeling of, like, once you see him, you're like, oh, he, he can just expand to fill the entire void he's trapped in. You have this feeling of, like, oh, this is why he's trapped here. And then the fact that the passageway gets left open is kind of like really ominous mm-hmm. and also I, I do wonder you know and as a concept as a character i'm down with Noah king especially the possibility that maybe him and crazy magic human lady they might have been you know their own rider and horse yeah had... that was that was definitely an implication that i got is that he was essentially the horse to uh the mysterious lady's rider but they're that's they're cool and all but they ain't the shamans yes. and the shamans are like for example water baby was awesome well, i didn't also realize portrayed by renee elise goldsberry who was angela schuyler in hamilton oh hey for example or i know doug's favorite the tree shamans yes which oh my gosh i love the tree shamans so much portrayed like- by the first aid kit a swedish folk duo <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right um but the tree shamans are so good um my advice to everybody which we're already in the spoiler section so i'm sad that we cut the spoilers so quickly but my advice to anybody like trying to watch this show and going oh i can't handle this this mood whiplash is stick in there until the tree shamans um yeah i really could probably just say to, to the end of Water Baby because Water Baby is three episodes is episode three and the Tree Shamans are episode four. Again, the Tree Shamans are my favorite, so I just want everybody to watch my favorite part. I feel like like they're good stylistically and the, and the story around them is is interesting. The thing that even confused me the second time through was kind of what their intention was because you see in the flashback you know they kind of shamans can grant wishes woman gets uh her village gets destroyed she makes a wish they don't grant it they sing something about you know they're gonna not gonna give you what you want what you they're gonna give you what you need and then horse gets the key by kicking one of them down and like this doesn't seem to be intentional. I, I just, they seem really mysterious is I guess my point. They do. And, and they seem more mysterious than they actually are. Like the shamans, the shamans aren't all knowing. Like we see that, we see that with the other shamans is that they're, they're just people. They're fallible people. Um, and so I think by thinking that the, the tree shamans are so perfect, uh, we, we sort of give them a level of mystique that they don't actually deserve. Well, I guess it's weird. Cause like, I guess you're right. That comes right after water baby and water baby really hypes up what the shamans are. Like the shamans are going to solve all your problems. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like that may just be an expectation there of like, and water you don't baby really know with what river boat is just a little bit like a, is just a little bit like an old style Baptist preacher, you know? <laughs> 
Well, also the shamans are just really, really magically powerful centaurs. Yeah. Yes. And like everyone else in the world, they're all weirdos. Huge weirdos. <laughs> so the tree shamans have this policy of giving you what you, uh, what you need, and what you want is kind of irrelevant. Like, I think what you want is merely your ability to ask for it, and what you need is whether or not they'll actually give it to you. And so that then brings up the whole question of what they actually all get for when they go up and make their wishes. Like, Durfleton gets his uh, farts to say nice things to him instead of His affirming farts. (laughs) Yeah, well, 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 the implication being that, like, his father used to say horrible abusive things to him and when he farts he still hears that and so i guess what he needs is to not hear that anymore in his own farts <laughs> it makes also, sense in context actually and, also, <laughs> and i think he he knows himself well enough he walks in and like i need my farts to be affirming and everyone's like what are you talking about and they're like oh yeah he's right that's what he needed yeah played displayed as being dumb as rocks, I, I think Durpleton actually might understand himself the best out of the cast. <laughs> there's then, less to understand there. Yeah, it's And then there's Ched. Um I don't I don't like Ched's Ched. an asshole. Yeah, yeah Ched's he's, an asshole. He's basically he the character one. that's an asshole, but you that's know, his, that is his entire character. He has no further character development other than being an asshole. Uh I like, love Ched. They, they do kind of hint at at why he's such an asshole to horse. Um, like his his horse bigotry is is a major problem. I feel, and they they're going to need to do a little like they start to address it here, but it doesn't ever get it never resolves or go goes away. So I okay, don't... Chad's dislike of horse is like Kevin's dislike of France. Yeah, but he keeps talking about it. And, like, he keeps saying mean things to Horse because of it. Just like Kevin keeps saying mean things to yeah. France. No. He, <laughs> yeah. Kevin loved the first, you know, 20 minutes of Ava 3.0 plus 1.0 more than I did. Because it was all just fuck France. Uh, but, Pay no attention know, to how much I like Rose of Versailles or how many French movies I've actually watched and enjoyed in my life just like how much ched likes horse (laughs) some of my best friends are french (laughs) well in episode three like ched does actually if you're paying attention to his dialogue super closely like i was uh you you do actually get his explanation for why he doesn't like horses um it's not very good and i hope that there's a better explanation later on uh, his explanation basically amounts to his mom cheated on his dad with a horse tar. His stepdad was a horse tar. <laughs> well. I'm not going to call you dad horse. Yeah. <laughs> or dad that's horse. Something, that's, something he, she, that's something he screams at horse later on. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I man. somehow missed that. And so... And so what Ched needs is to not be such a bigoted asshole. Is, is an ass-whipping. <laughs> so, so that's why he gets turned into a horse, temporarily. <laughs> Weird. 
goes away. It goes ben away. Dale's he gets better. Days. He got better. <laughs> yep, better. Uh, and Wamawink's Wamawink's wish is she does need sleep. She does, in fact, need sleep. But like one of the things, is, like it, that's not actually what's going on. Like when everybody's noticing, hey, Wamawink's acting weird. Um, it's it's real easy to sit there and go, well, she's acting weird because she didn't get any sleep. But if you're paying attention to her, she was acting weird before she didn't get any sleep, and that's probably uh, that's probably why she didn't get any sleep. And she even tries to talk to Horse about it, and Horse just won't listen to her. So it's why what Horse needs is empathy. And she goes back in time and sees Baby Wamawink in the flashback to learn empathy. And that's also kind of makes you wonder how old Wama Wink is because that flashback essentially is the bad guys that are currently ravaging the dire world and they're no longer in centaur world, which means that had to happen for the gates between the two worlds were closed by the pieces that the shamans are holding on to. Yeah. You know, the shamans are probably not that old. Like I sort of got the feeling that like, this actually was pretty recently. Well, that's why I wonder how old they are, because it feels like... Because later on, you get to the Bear Tar and the ancient, you know, backstories of things. And this had to have been when Wamawink was a baby. Yeah. Because Wamawink trained as a shaman, I got the feeling that those were, like, positions that, you know, people would train and and ascend to as opposed to like these are the the only five shamans that exist in the world yeah yeah that that makes sense well i think they're just the shaman i think wallwink is clearly the shaman of her particular herd because if you look at it these are all different little communities that the shamans are watching over because we need to get the actual best character in this show I think we can all per- maybe agree comfortable Doug <laughs> are, are we just skipping over the, the bear the bear tar episode yeah he's the comic book guy from Simpsons moving on pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much yeah that's well the more standout thing is um, part of horse's characterization uh, something that comes really to the point in this episode is you know, Horse has been kind of riding, up up until this point, Horse has been kind of riding on all the other, um, has been riding on the rest of the herd that they don't, like, have any common sense. But when push comes to shove, she doesn't actually have any common sense. She doesn't know where food comes from any more than Durpleton does. <laughs> because she's a horse that's been domesticated by her rider, and, like, there's almost like a parent-child relationship there. Uh, I think the stress there is on there being like a parent-child relationship. Yeah. Even though she's, you know, she's been a warrior as part of that relationship, and that's where the assumption that these people don't understand anything comes from. Yeah. But uh, she's definitely a child, as we can now move on past the Bear Tower episode. Because I honestly feel like the Bear Tower episode, if you had to take a single episode out of this show, that's the only episode I can see as being removable 
There's a little bit of world building, but it's kind of all in the background. Yeah. Yeah, like like the Bear Trap episode does have a lot of world, yeah, the world building, like with his models and, and the and the ancient, you know, cave work and stuff. Like there's there's a lot to infer on how this world exists in connection to the other world. That's where you learn about it through the bear tar, but it's just not as much fun as Comfortable Doug. Yeah, Comfortable Doug is in episode six. Um, I, I love Comfortable Doug so much. <laughs> uh, He's so hideous. Let's see. Horse learn. Horse lost her armor in episode two to the Tornator. And then in episode five is where she, um, is is where she gets her her new mane. Like her mane changes, it becomes all bubbly and smooth lines. Um, yeah, that was something I did notice. You know, if you look at horse, she's drawn very angular. Like there's a different art style at play. Even like how the shadows of horse are all straight. Whereas you look at the shadowing of the centaurs, it's all radiant. It's all like fuzz. It's all like blur, fudged up and blurried, uh, to create more of a super cartoony look. And yeah. as horse begins her journey to becoming a cartoon horse herself, her art style actually changes to match of centaur world versus her original world. Yeah. Uh, which I'm disappointed about. I really like the look of like, here's a full on horse, a fully rendered horse, uh, next to a bunch of cartoon characters. Like, I, but yeah, I, I did like her original design. I do feel one thing I noticed was, I, I, I don't know if I'm imagining this, but every time she would talk, she would do like the head bob and, and some of the eye movements that like Archer characters do. <laughs> and it was just distracting. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. probably why I like Chet because he's also is pretty much an Archer character. <laughs> that, makes but he's sense. the only Archer character in a in a room full of not Archer characters, so it doesn't work <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but the beginning of episode six, they're playing with scrunchies. The Rainbow Road goes like straight down into a hole, and so they go into the hole, and that is where they get put in the hole by Comfortable Dog, who is a mole tar. <laughs> <laughs> they go to mole jail. Like, I swear, Comfortable Doug might actually be the most unsettling-looking character in the show. But I love Comfortable Doug so much. Why is he so sweaty all the time? Why are all the moles so sweaty? Like, moles are not sweaty. Like, why do they depict them as such? That's the human half. The human (laughs) half is super sweaty. Is that sweaty? I would not think he's comfortable at all. Well, that's why he's Comfortable, Comfortable Doug. What are you? I am comfortable. Doug. Doug. That is my name. <laughs> I, uh, I love Comfortable Doug. I, I, I'm glad Comfortable Doug comes back. <laughs> uh, well, if, if you notice, um, Jeffrey and Comfortable Doug both like kind of follow the party for the rest of the time. Like they're, they're never like part of the herd, but they're always, from then on, tangential to the herd. Yeah, we're never too far away, somehow. <laughs> uh, Gary, the skeleton, did you guys notice that he's a skeleton of a human? Yes, yes, we did like, notice Like, he that. is a human skeleton down there in Centaur Jail. <laughs> yes, that has all kinds of implications. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's also a mysterious 
other human woman who I think never gets a name, who does keep appearing on and off. <laughs> but we, we start, as the tale starts to, the tale starts to tell jokes. And Basil, I think you would, Paula you would Tompkins. something. This, this yeah. is the horse tale, folks. The horse's, horse's tale. tale. Comes yep. to life and starts talking, and that's her magic power. <laughs> that is her first spell. Um, and they sing the song, Baby's First Spell, which is basically just a puberty song. Yeah. So your body's changing, you're getting all this different hair in places where that you didn't have hair before. It's it's a puberty <laughs> song, and her first spell is very blatantly approximate to like her first period. I mean, like, if you say so. It it is. It's gross. It's a bodily function. It, it makes noises you don't want it to make. Uh, and people treat it like this. It's this grand, wonderful thing. And also yeah. the butt of a joke. Yeah. 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 It's it. It is like very like in every way, shape, and form like a period parallel. A period a piece. Track. Yes. Oh god. <laughs> yes. Oh. I'm glad my puberty didn't involve magical randomness. <laughs> that that might have mine up a decent bit. I, I can't am say I? I'm like, yeah, I can't say I'm just like anti uh, magic puberty. You know, um, whenever I'm counting the shamans, though, I always tend to forget about the mole shaman. I don't know why. Well, she's I, I, she's oddly also... because Doug is more comfortable, Doug leaves more of an impression. <laughs> Yeah, I think I she's think. part of that whole storyline as opposed to, like, you don't even know that there's a shaman down there, whereas yeah. all the other shamans are kind of like, we're going to see the whale shaman or the tree shaman or whatever. Yeah, uh, like, you kind of don't realize that she's the shaman until until she gives horse her magic piece. Yeah. And then cats. Cats. Yeah, and then episode seven is cats. Oh, yeah. The Just opening cat. song is literally a, a like a very obvious blatant parody of Jellicoe Cats from yeah. Cats musical. And all the sure. all the names sound like names from Cats. Least, <laughs> well, you know, they're the doing the big competition. Yeah. To see who is the coolest, it's Cats. It yeah, it's like <laughs> that's, straight that's up cats. cats. That's I don't technically what, not the competition. I don't know what Cats are is actually about. Okay, just so you're better cats. off. You're better I off. I probably are know. you. I'm, I'm <laughs> yes. about to tell you. I'm about to tell you the plot of Cats. Um, so get ready, everybody. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for a completely different show. Uh, the plot of Cats, the musical, is this: there's a there are a bunch of cats living in the streets of London, and they. And and once a year during the Jellicle Moon, is is Jellicle a word that existed anywhere before cats? No, no. it is it is <laughs> okay. a nonsense word made up by the guy who wrote the original poems. T. S. Eliot. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're all made up words. Uh, it, it it's 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 made up as part of what a Jellicle cat is. And, you know, it's this big, lengthy description on what a Jellicle cat is, and the long and the short of the description is that all cats are Jellicle cats, but you know, it takes a whole poem to get there. <laughs> okay. And all the cats perform their songs and things, see who should be the one to die and go to heaven. Yes. Only okay. one cat gets to go cool. to heaven. And because the Jellicle moon all... and... 
because all dogs go to heaven, so yeah. obviously the cats don't. But they but send one. Ninety nine point nine percent of cats go to hell. No, uh, <laughs> so there's there's some mythologies that you can. That there's some fan theories that you can subscribe to if you want that states that this is that the cats only have this opportunity because of like this is the shared collection of of the soul that they get that dogs get to go to heaven because they basically get spare soul parts from humans but cats don't get that so they have to all put it together and only give it to one uh cat at a time but that's a fan theory and isn't stated for certain in bedrock anywhere but it's kind of the implication that you get but these cats are going for a sash yeah these yeah. cats yes. are just competing for a sash Every and this is like day. a project uh Every this is more day. like a project runway um project runway talent show kind of kind of thing. And this is also where we see Zap uh Zulius's extra power. And Zulius's X. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh Zulius's extra power is to stop time and talk to the camera. And it's painful to everyone else involved. Yes. Does so that's mention- why it wasn't part of the song. <laughs> okay. He doesn't mention it in the song though. No, no, it's it's okay. the only power that they have that doesn't get mentioned in the song. And <laughs> it's because it hurts everybody when he does it, so he doesn't do it. Except for here, where he's about to confront his ex. Who is the current reigning champion of the the uh of the competition. Johnny T Time's be best competition. Johnny T Time. <laughs> be Johnny best. T Time is, is my favorite shaman. <laughs> like Johnny yeah. Tea Time is a great shaman. Johnny Tea Time is a cute little kitten who lives in a teacup, and he will blast you with laser beams of cuteness. <laughs> yes, he's very cute. Um, but the current ra- uh, Zulius's ex is the current reigning champion of the competition, Splendid, and he is a tiger. And wow. I thought there was something very poetic about uh, the two stripy boys. Being in heated competition with each other. Wanting their glitter cats. Yes. Their glitter cats. Yes. Uh, The glitter cats are two female cats who are backup dancers. And apparently they used to be Zulius' backup dancers, but now they're Splendid's backup dancers. And they're very, they're very glitter cats. I hate it when an ex takes the pets in a breakup. But that's fine, because as we all know, no one knows how to be their best like Comfortable Doug. (laughs) It's true. They have this entire competition, uh, a do-it-yourself Catholic hairdo, a litter box obstacle course, ignoring the laser pointer, which is the one thing that horse is, like, really good at. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What, this is a problem for you guys? (laughs) (laughs) But, and then they do, like, the actual one that matters, you know, the showstopper contest where, you know, Horse wins it. She does this big dramatic song dances. Who is she? Um, and it, it, you know, I don't know why it reminded me of Lady Gaga turning into Katy Perry, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> and then, and she ends up doing her full body transformation where she completely turns into like a cartoon character, just like all of them. And then Comfortable Doug shows up and he wins. <laughs> By existing. 
<laughs> he went. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, just look at it. <laughs> White male privilege, am I right, folks? <laughs> White male You're not wrong. Just show up and we win everything. But then that moves us on to, like, the third really creepy song. Oh, when yeah. They sing the, well, it's it's just a reprise of the, the really creepy songs, just sung by the cats. So it's much more creepy than when the flowers sang it. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. I mean, it's, sorry, episode eight's The Whale Tar. Ah, yeah. Oh! The Assisted oh, yes. Suicide Shaman. Yes. Yes. That's right. Shaman uh, Kevorkian. Yeah, yeah. She's totally the assisted suicide shaman. One hundred percent. That's what she is. I didn't read. I didn't read it as suicide because she's taking all these people. How did you not read that as suicide? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I read it more as like um, codependence or something, where she's yeah, just but, like, I'm but just going to take all the pain away. No, yeah, okay, as, but okay. she's doing it for one day. Dylan, as as I was watching, as I was watching this, I think it was my third watching through of it. So not this most recent one, but the one before it. When we got to the whale shaman part, and we were we were playing the whale shaman song, Barry. That was when Barry just happened to be coming in from whatever he was doing outside, and he looked at the screen, and then he looked at me, and he said, "She's she's talking about eating them, right?" <laughs> so I figured, for some reason, I assumed that everyone who was stuck in her mouth, stomach, whatever, had been there forever. I, I miss somehow like the one day part. Yeah, I thought it, it was, was just it, like this. It is was a in the song. I think may have been. Yeah, that may have been. It. But yeah, it's yeah. it's very explicitly it's stated a... that they have this one day of peace and then they're going to die. That's okay. Yeah, that's worse. Yeah, it's, Which... it's real. It's it's like it's real fucked up. Which implies a shockingly large number of inhabitants of Centaur World just want to end it all. <laughs> yeah, because there were a lot of people in there. Like, a yeah. lot of people. Yeah, there were. That's a, that's a one Look, day. Centaur World is a lot. <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is a lot. And they, they keep referring to the whale shaman as the last shaman, and they're like, yeah, but nobody knows why. It's because, it's because when you go visit her, you don't go anywhere else. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Is although she might not be the last shaman, but she's the last shaman for you. If you're looking although, man, for the shamans, you're pro you probably have some problem, and her solution, well, she really only has one solution. But then I forgot about the whole Wama Wink and the male Murtars. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wama Wink lets her Fujoshi flag fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it she feels about Merfolk a very specific way. <laughs> go okay. ahead go ahead doug you're gonna finish that sentence with she feels about merfolk the way that i feel about blank go ahead and finish that sentence no no i, I can, no. I can I, smell I it i can smell it i knew like i knew that was going through your mind somewhere i'm ashamed to admit that you are exactly correct sir but i'm not <laughs> going to finish that sentence i am just going to leave it at uh so I, I will respect your decision knowing that I was in fact correct. <laughs> knowing that you are correct, please respect my decisions and not yes. finish also, that sentence. Yes, I, I will... at, at a very specific way 
And <laughs> yeah, she she forced Glendale like she forced Glendale oh. to to help her do her doujinshi. Much I love the same Glendale's way. diatribe about what she how much she made her do. <laughs> much yeah. the same way that I have forced Basil in the past to do my dirty doujinshi work. <laughs> like, it is very explicitly like internet fan art culture yeah. type of thing. Like, yeah. Doujinshi is not even a uh, an exaggeration there. It is very specifically Yaoi Doujinshi. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Points for course, Big Bara Merman. Like... Uh, at least some of them were. <laughs> I mean, some of them were Bara, but most of them were just straight, They're... like, Yeah, yaoi. they were. But, you know, like, some of them at least had chest hair. I I appreciate that. <laughs> well, she really, she really digs the chest hair. Yeah. Yeah. I... The thing I love, though, at the end, though, is, is she's like, she's found this lonely mer guy sitting on the dock, and he's like, oh, thank you for the picture. My, my girlfriend will love it. And, like, <laughs> walks off and, like... Well, you know, when you see that girlfriend later on, she she's, like, a purple, like, llama person. Yes. I completely forgot about that. Again, yeah, I only like, got to, like, episode 10 like or so. Vaguely we similar to Wobblewink. Yeah. yeah. Like, so Wobblewink totally had a chance with him if it weren't for the fact that he were already taken. Yeah. Uh, I, I Also, that the real-life guys are kind of schlubby. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, I mean, like, everybody nice, in the world but, is. Like, yeah. Uh, like, he's nice. Like, I... He, he has a good personality. Yeah. He reminded me of Steven from Steven Universe. <laughs> is what he reminds me of. Oh yeah, and when when he eventually says that girlfriend line and she gets all brokenhearted, um you know, she says she she says say, "Oh, it serves me right for falling in love with somebody so quickly for their personality." <laughs> it, it reminded me of Sailor Moon when they were arguing about who had the most Talent. Talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As they make hand grabby gestures at their at their own chests. Bless you, bad English TV Sailor Moon <laughs> dub for always making it worse when you tried to cover something up in the dialogue. <laughs> Was that the Deke dub? Yes. yes. Oh yes. god God bless Deke. The director's definitely going to pick me because I have the biggest talent. Taylor Jupiter shoves her boobs in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, uh, but so they don't trust su the Sunfish Mer dude. They don't trust him because he is trying to trick them. Uh, he is very clearly trying to trick them. He's trying to keep them from seeing the shaman because the shaman is going to eat them. <laughs> He's trying to save their lives. He set up this whole carnival to try to save everybody's life, and it never works. Because there's nothing you can actually do to stop a suicidal person from seeking out a method. Other than what Wamoink actually does. Yeah, episode 8 is kind of heavy once you scrape off the... Uh... Yeah, once you, yeah. once you scrape off the, the, the high whimsy, it becomes... It's actually kind of a dark episode. Kevin laughs in the darkness. No, it's actually a pretty I mean, dark episode. It's a pretty dark show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty dark show. It's like the best fairy worlds. It's all bright and colorful and fun and whimsical, and it will kill you. 
<laughs> well, they're all kind of the whole herd is kind of underestimating how deeply upset Horse is by the way her body looks now. Like her yeah. body doesn't look right anymore. She's going through like some pretty severe body dysmorphia and the herd at best makes a joke can make a joke about it. Uh, but more often than not, they don't even really recognize it as even being a thing. Yeah. But it's, it's also just eating like, at her. Yeah, it's also very symbolic of, like, you are you might be stuck here forever. You might not be able to go back, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and there's also the grief that comes along with one of the things that she tells the in, in, in her big song to the whale shaman is... She's forgetting Ryder's face, which, you know, we have cameras nowadays, so if we forget people's faces, we can look at them. <laughs> but it, it's it's a thing that happens surprisingly quickly, like, especially when, like, if you know somebody who who's died, like, you start realizing that you forget what their face looks like. And it happens a lot faster than you think it would. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I don't really know what to say, but yeah, like I yeah. wouldn't have I wouldn't have necessarily gone to to death, but yeah, that makes a that I can see how you can draw that parallel. But well, speaking of death, yeah, we're we we have now you know through this chronological journey through all the episodes, we've now hit the last two, which are which is the finale of you know season one, where we actually do get to meet the Nowhere King. The coolest dude in the show. No, no, he, he's terrible. He's... <laughs> I mean, we do get the big, comfortable Doug, you know, song and dance, so there yeah. is that. But the best part is at the end, everyone just kind of drills down into the earth after him, even though half of them aren't Moltars. <laughs> yeah, and this is where, like, I, 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 I have to apologize. I feel that this whole episode could have been much better if I had just finished those last two episodes and written, like, the heavily scripted notes that uh, I had written for the rest of this, that I had written for the rest of the show. <laughs> but I'm going to need somebody else to help, to, to help, like, lead the very specific thoughts that I do have about these last two episodes. Yeah, I, I should have gone back and rewatched as well, because I don't well, remember the exact sequence. Essentially, this is where, you know... They fight, you know, Water Baby shows up, they, you know, they get Horse through yeah, the rift. They assemble the artifact, they open the gate between worlds, it goes into a creepy white void. <laughs> Which, by the way, Horse, uh, well, Horse ends up meeting Ryder in the middle of the, in the middle of the void. Yes, because Ryder's apparently been having her own adventure, where she found her own portal. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're reunited. Uh, and it's true, Horse doesn't, uh, Ryder doesn't recognize Horse at first. It's, uh, Horse kind of has to, like, appeal to her to go, hey, it's me, it's really me, it's me, me. I know it's weird that I could talk, I look different, but it's still me. She like, ends up having to sing the song to her, yeah. Sing yeah. the song, yeah, so, uh, oh, yeah, it's my but, horse, that's weird. But Ryder <laughs> does does recognize her and just accepts her for who she is once she when she does recognize her. Oh, the little bits with Ryder reacting to any of the Centaur World stuff, like, is just hilarious. She has had yeah. no time to adjust. <laughs> well, um, 
and this is where John's question earlier that we had to edit out comes into play. Yeah, uh, I like I, I have a real um, if we're gonna carry the story out to its logical conclusion, in which you know horse and rider go back to their world and do their thing. Are we going to have, like, a Flowers for Algernon kind of situation with Horse? Oh. Well, Horse does go into her her original world for, like, a second. Right, but, I mean, by staying but there... It is took she, a is while she... to... It took a while for the oh, centaur world no. effects to kick in. Yeah, that, that's oh, what I'm no. saying. Like, I by, see what you're saying. Yeah, by staying there, she's going to revert back to just being a horse. Oh, possibly that's but we don't it's, know it's the... because for all we know this could merge the two worlds and there might be a balance between magic and dystopian so it may end up being like one world where she can at least still talk we don't know also what would happen to Ryder if she hung out in centaur world for any length of time i mean i know we have one other human to look at <laughs> But yeah, apparently, apparently thought. there are no bad effects from st- for humans staying in Centaur World. Except you might end up a skeleton in mole jail. You, <laughs> yeah. you turn into an '80s um, like uh, cartoon character, which is amazing. <laughs> oh, I feel like, anybody would aspire. If you like Kid to. Video, does anyone else remember Kid Video? Am I the only no. one from Burger King Kids Club? But I don't remember anything about it uh i i don't i barely remember anything about it so i just remember they hey we look like cartoons uh (laughs) yes but horse does go briefly back into human world for a little bit and then it's only because she has to go tell everybody that she made it through fine that she gets stuck in the first place i mean that's that's just an obvious like you should have just you know oops (laughs) Yeah, but it's then, like, you know, that, but you then, guys should just, you know. But then the uh, the rest of the herd, like, the, the centaurs were, were would have gone after her to check and make sure she was okay if she hadn't come back. So then the Nowhere King would have been released all the same, only probably with our main characters dead. <laughs> so, I guess it is good that she went back. And they <laughs> end with, you know, Nowhere King shows up, he's this big goopy, you know, horrific-ish thing. Like, he looks a lot like a shrimp. I mean, he's got all the does. extra legs and a big, long body, I I guess. Yeah, like, the the way the way the back half of his body curls around is a lot like a shrimp. I know this because I have shrimp, and I've been keeping them in, in, in a fish tank in my, in my uh, studio. Yeah. And, unsurprisingly, his actor is also in a lot of musicals. <laughs> He's like something. He's like something out of Princess Mononoke over the garden wall. Like we listed yeah. a bunch of things that he's he very similar to. Was probably something more normal once. <laughs> now he's uh. a horrible abomination trapped in a void between worlds, and it's implied he's only going to get worse. <laughs> well, but it has me very eager for the next ten episodes. I want to see how they deal with the Nowhere King. I'm very curious about the origins of the Nowhere King. It, you know, just so much uh, so much of the like world lore was packed into these ten episodes that I, I I feel pretty confident that they'll be able to deliver. You know, like so much of the things they set up came to fruition. 
I, yeah, I would say this is a very good show. It also looks real, real good. Like, mm-hmm. the animation for this show is very spot on. Like, they clearly knew the look they were going for, and they absolutely succeeded. I also didn't realize that one of the main storyboard folks is Louis Zong, who also did a lot of work for We Bear Bears. Also, he animates a lot of uh, clips of the McAvoy Brothers, My Brother, My Brother, Me show. And he also has done a lot of music I've been listening to lately. So I'm like, oh, this is partially a Louis Zong joint. And that explains a lot. But no, this show is real good. I cannot wait to see where they go. They end with, you know, Water Baby hanging out with Ryder to try and figure out how to make things work on in dystopian world and and horse is going to stick around to somehow train all these wacky centaurs on how to fight a war that's clearly something that's going to go just great with no hitches whatsoever i'm really (laughs) curious how that ends up working just because it seems like there's a much bigger sense of urgency than there was in like this the first 10 episodes i don't know I don't know how it's going to work out. I can only I can only wish to see. And the as far as I know, the next ten episodes are basically made. They are already they're already made. I just don't know why they're holding them back for a reason, but they're holding them back to be released later. And well, I'm- I mean, Netflix has you know a plan. Like, yeah, they don't they don't want to release everything all at once. Especially stuff that gets buzz, like right now, as of this recording, again, the Squid Game is being is very, very hot right now. Clearly, they would not want to release something just to get gobbled up by Squid Game. Because that's what everyone's talking about. They want things that people will talk about all the time, so they've got to plan out, you know, their stuff to come out in a in a in a schedule to keep retention i see okay so awesomes out of awesome i want to give it the most awesomes that i can possibly give a thing because i i i loved this thing so hardcore um like i made everybody watch it i demanded that this be an awesome cast this is like this hit just like this tickled a thing that i needed to see just so well so well so good so many awesomes. So many awesomes. Uh, everybody else pick your awesomes first. I'll pick mine last so that I can pick the highest number. <laughs> the price is right us? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Dick I'll move, start... Doug. Fine. <laughs> I'll start... move. But hey, I'm comfortable doing it. Uh, sure you are. <laughs> All right. How long have you, so you been cut... sitting on that? <laughs> Since so I saw the character. <laughs> Since we've got... We've got... One comfortable dog so out of awesome. Why is he so sweaty? Uh, I can't like, properly uh, be like, this is who I am. Because he's can't so just ask sweaty. somebody why they're so sweaty all the time. It's rude. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Alabama in the summertime, y'all. Oh, God. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm giving one comfortable dog out of awesome. That's my, that's my number. I'm going to give it two linked worlds. Because honestly, like... Like, I haven't even watched, like, all the way through, like, Adventure Time and some some things like that. So, 
that plus musical didn't really seem to be my thing, but the lore and the plot around it are interesting enough that it, it kept me really engaged and I'm glad I watched it because I otherwise wouldn't have. One amazing treasure trove of weirdness from Glendale's tummy hole out of awesome. <laughs> I love oh, Glendale, my. guys. I, I can't even tell you. I love Glendale. I, I think she might murder me in my sleep, but I love her. <laughs> okay, so there's this thing that they do in in the last, like, I think it's the last episode, you know, where uh, the key, you know, the mysterious woman has shown up. She's taken the key and, and run so that uh, they can never be... Um, Told, uh, so that they they can't open the gate back up again and check on their friend who is in danger on the other side. Well, uh, they get through that problem by Glendale just stole the key. <laughs> the the great fantastic thing about that move is is unlike most of the time when people try to pull that that thing off where people do that trope where. Aha! Another character used sleight of hand. Glendale has been stealing crap the whole time, and you see her do it on screen, like always. Like she <laughs> she picks up stuff and just puts it in her tummy hole, uh, just all the time. And the amazing thing is that if you watch, if you watch the screen closely while this is going on, she you see her pick up the thing and put it in her tummy hole. Like actually, like like it, they really did that. Like they really, oh my gosh, it was just so well laid out and mapped and foreshadowed and oh, so good. All right, John, I'll give it an unspecified number of assisted suicides. Have awesome. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> shamans out of awesome well that is the highest specified number <laughs> yeah no one no one tried to like game that system <laughs> so have fun off in a billion so folks this has been the awesome cast your podcast for everything awesome it is edited by uh the most wonderful of wives anna the where most you can find kind and forgiving our Theme is done by DJ Inabito. You can find his stuff at djinabito.com. Our website is awesomecast.com where you can check it out. Uh, you can also check out our Patreon if you want to live us, leave us some cash, you know, in the digital but still cash way, but not that like creepy like Bitcoin no, NFT no way. Currency, yeah. Just just this Patreon. We we haven't created Awesome Coin yet, have we? No, and oh, we God. never will. Oh, okay. Oh, no. But you can join our Discord. Also, if you want to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, that would be one of the most helpful, wonderful things you could do. Just throw us five stars and just mention something that we've done that you might have liked recently or in the past, whichever. I'm not that picky. You can also find us on Twitter at AwesomeCast. You can find myself at its basal time. Kevin, where can they find you? At twitless underscore Kevin. Dylan, where can they find you? At Dylan Wolf. You can find Anna at Angel Darkfire, but the middle A is missing. 
and not Angel Fire, it's Angel Dark Fire. Apparently in the previous episode I said Angel Fire because, well, that used to be websites. Sure did. John, where yeah. can they find you on Twitter? At J5IsLive, the letter J, the number 5 is live. They can also find John on Twitch. Where's that? Twitch.tv slash TheseRVG. Uh, we stream always every Wednesday and Friday, 7 to 11, sometimes later. Go ahead and mash that, uh, you know, follow button, mash that uh, notifications button, so you know whenever I go live with something random like, uh, you know, Scarlet Nexus or Melty Blood or Guilty Gear, whatever I end up playing. Uh, and, you know, if you got that free Prime uh, Prime subscription, whether you're doing a trial or, or whatever you're doing, if you got Prime, go ahead and uh, hit us up with that free-to-you, you know, Prime Gaming subscription to our channel. That money goes to me. Uh, it will help me pay for things like my medication, which is ridiculously expensive. Theoretically, I am also on Twitch, and it's Basil time. I haven't done sessions lately, but that's hopefully going to change soon so i think that does all the things so thank you everybody for listening and we'll see what happens when we talk about whatever it is we talk about next until then we're out Yeah, that's that's what you gotta do. That's, that's what they, the commercials tell me. <laughs> or it could be the the reoccurring. My brother, you're like, rip it, yeah, do it, open that coke, hell yeah. It sounds so good. <laughs> oh, just 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 put it right to the microphone and let it rip. <laughs>